In her message uh, last week, um, Elizabeth ended her, her section of, of the reading in Ephesians from Ephesians chapter 2 with this verse that reminds us that in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. One of the uh, things I've been studying or reading in my uh, personal devotional life over the last year has been the book of Exodus. I've really been captured by the description of the tabernacle. I've read Exodus many times over the years, and of course we think of uh, you know, the plagues in Egypt, we think of you know, the Exodus, the crossing of the Red Sea, and we think of Mount Sinai, and we think of all of these things that happen in the story of Exodus. But a big chunk of that book is taken up with describing this thing called the tabernacle. And it really is quite compelling, and as I, especially as I, as I thought about the book of Ephesians, the parallel between that description in Exodus and what we're reading in the book of Ephesians really captured my heart and my interest. And I want to lay those two on top of one another a little bit uh, for us today. The tabernacle in the wilderness was how God was demonstrating his presence with his people Israel. And it's fascinating because he, he gave them great detail on how they were to construct it. He laid it all out for them. There's blueprints there. There's measurements there. There's materials there. Everything that was to be made and how it was to be made. And as I've said to you before, I, you know, the, the thing that amazes me is, is that he tells them, you know, first of all, I want you to make an ark for the covenant, for the words of the covenant to go in. I want you to make uh, a table, a table that will hold the bread the bread of life that will be on that table. And I want you to make a lampstand, and that lampstand will be lit all night long so that even in the dark, the candles will be burning and people will know that I am with them. I want you to make an altar where sacrifices will be made and all the other kinds of things that were, that were part of this tabernacle, all you know, cloaked in, in, uh, behind a, a tent. And it was all meant to be a symbol for them of how they were able to recognize that they were God's people because God dwelt in them and, and in the midst of them because when they camped, they would, they would put the tabernacle someplace and then all of the tribes would, would fan out around it so that it was at the center of the camp. And the thing that struck me is that in this intricate detail that Yahweh gives to the Israelites, it's so specific, but it all points to one thing. I am in your midst. You are my people, and I choose to dwell in your midst. And all of these things reflect that. All of these things were meant to remind them of who they were and the God who dwelled in their midst. Now, there is one interruption in the story. Because when you read through the story, and the story goes from chapters 25 through to chapter 40 in Exodus, the story of the tabernacle, there is an aberration that happens in the middle that we know about the golden calf. So what happens is Yahweh gives the instructions for the tabernacle, and he says, this is how I want you to make the tabernacle. And so they've got the plans, and then Moses goes up onto the mountain to receive the words of the covenant and to ratify the covenant so that he could bring it back for the people. And he's up on the mountain for 40 days. And in that period of time, the people get restless. 
And the people wonder what's happened to him. And I have no idea how this happens. It's the ancient world, I guess. You know, we have our own ways of kind of falling into idolatry pretty quickly, I guess. But for some dumb reason, they go to Aaron and say, we don't know what happened to Moses. Make us an idol. Now, not, to you and me, that seems a huge leap of logic. But if we dwell in that space for a while, too, I'm sure there's something that you and I can learn from it as well. But anyways, Aaron says, okay, go ahead, make an offering, give me your gold, give me your silver, give me all your stuff. And as he famously said to Moses later, you know, I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Right? But of course, God knows and God's displeased and as Moses is on his way down from the mountain with the, with the words of the covenant inscribed in stone, he hears the noise in the camp and he thinks it's a celebration and God says, nah, no, that's not so much. And you know what happens. Moses comes down, he sees, he's angry, he breaks the tablets, and he takes the golden calf and he grinds it up, puts it into water, and he makes the people drink it. Now I want you to remember where all of that gold came from. Because then they had a crisis, because God said, okay, I'm done with these people. Moses, I'm going to start over with you. And Moses says, oh, no, no, please don't do that. Don't start with me. You're a faithful God. Don't give up on us. Don't give up on us. And then God says, okay, I'll, 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 I'll stick with you, but I'm not going to go with you. I'll send an angel, and an angel will look after you. And Moses says, no, 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 that's not good enough, God. If, you, if your presence isn't with us, we don't want to go. Because what else... God, what else distinguishes us from any other group of people on the earth except for your presence? Apart from that, we're like everybody else. It's the only distinctive we have. Don't take that from us. So God says, okay, I won't. Deal's back on. So Moses has to now go, and this time he has to write out the law in, in the tables of stone. Right? And they ratify the covenant. And now they're ready to build the tabernacle. But think about it. God gave them all the blueprint. He gave them all the instructions. They're now at the place. The people have, have said yes to the covenant and they're ready to go. But with, what are they going to build it with? What are they going to build it with? God hasn't provided for them up to this point, what they're going to build it with. So then this happens. And this is Exodus chapter 35, verses 4 through 19. Moses said to the whole Israelite community, this is what the Lord has commanded. From what you have, take an offering for the Lord. Everyone who is willing to bring to the Lord an offering of gold, silver, and bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, and fine linen, goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, and hides of sea cows, acacia wood, olive oil for the light, spices for the anointing oil, and the fragrance incense, the onyx stones, and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and the breastpiece. Now, they'd already made an offering once before, hadn't they? But this was different. This was different. 
He says, and all who are skilled among you to come and make everything the Lord has commanded, the tabernacle with its tent and its covering clasps, frames, crossbars, posts, and bases, the ark and its poles and the atonement cover and the curtain that shields it, the table with its poles and its articles and the bread of presence, the lampstand that is for the light with its accessories, lamps and oil for the light, the altar of incense with its poles, the anointing oil, the fragrant incense, the curtain for the doorway at the entrance to the tabernacle, the altar of burnt offerings with its bronze grating, its poles and all its utensils, the bronze basin with which it stands, the curtains of the courtyard with its posts and bases, and the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard, the tent pegs for the tabernacle end of the courtyard and their ropes, the woven garments worn for ministry in the sanctuary, both the sacred garments for Aaron and the priest and the garments and his sons when they serve as priests. Everything that God had laid out, everything that he wanted them to make for this tabernacle, everything that he had said, this is going to be how you'll know I dwell in your presence. He says, Moses says to the people, we need it all. And it all has to come from you. That's what he's saying. And look what happened. Then the whole Israelite community withdrew from Moses' presence and everyone who was willing and whose heart moved him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work on the tent of meeting, for all its service, and for the sacred garments. All who were willing, men and women alike, came and brought gold jewelry of all kinds, brooches, earrings, rings, and ornaments. They all presented their gold as a wave offering to the Lord. Everyone who had blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, or fine linen, or goat hair, ram skins, dyed red, or hides of sea cows brought them. Who has a hide of a sea cow? These folks did. Those presenting an offering of silver or bronze brought it as an offering to the Lord, and everyone who had acacia wood for any part of the work brought it. Every skilled workman spun with her hands, or workwoman spun with her hands and brought what she had spun, blue, purple, and scarlet yarn for fine linen. And all the women who were willing and had the, the skill spun goat hair. The leaders brought onyx stones and other gems to be mounted on the ephod and breastplate. They also brought spices and olive oil for the light and for the anointing oil for the fragrant incense all the Israelite men and women who were willing brought the Lord freewill offerings for all the work the Lord through Moses had commanded them to do. What a beautiful picture of the people's response to what God had called them to. What a beautiful picture that is. And you know what happened? The people gave so much that they had to be stopped from giving any more. The story goes on. Then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they had already given was more than enough to do all the work. So the lesson is this. That when God's people give willingly as they are moved in their hearts, there is more than enough to do the work. Here's what I want you to think about. Do you have room for more? 
Do you have room for more? We've tried to share a little bit of the more that God has laid on our heart as a people. The more that we, we believe that God is calling us to do. And we know that God has more that he wants to do and more that God will do and more that God desires to do. But do we have capacity and a willingness for more? What I love about this is that the people weren't told what to give. They weren't given a percentage. They weren't, they weren't told to give 10%. They weren't told to do... They were, they were just told, go away and think about it. This is between you and the Lord. Just go away and think about it. And, and if you're willing, and as your heart is moved, let your offering reflect that. Brothers and sisters, may that be the spirit behind our giving for the year ahead. For the support that we give to God's work at Forestbrook and God's house at Forestbrook and God's people at Forestbrook, let it be motivated by us going away and thinking about it and listening and talking with God about it and coming to that place in our hearts where we say, how is my heart moved? And am I willing to respond to that? Because if you do that, and if I do that, I promise you, we will have more than we need to do what God has called us to do. We might even have to say, stop. We have more than enough. This is not about money. I've already told you, the last two years we had a small surplus the church is actually doing pretty well financially. This is not about money. This is about your and my capacity as the people of God for more. We are asking God for more. We want to see God give us more and do more. Are we willing to invest more? And not just with our, our, our treasures, but are we willing to invest more with our time, with our talents? Are we in? Are we, are we bystanding and watching what God is doing? Or are we in? Are we jumping in? Are we getting into the middle of it? And saying, God, I see you here. I know you've called me. I'm in. And I'm all in. That's what this is about. It is a call to you and to me as members of this faith community, this church, to go away and think about it. Are we all in? And if we're all in, can we demonstrate through our giving in the year ahead that we're all in? I just want to give you a second to think about that. Can we just take a minute or two just quietly to think about that? Think about what you have seen God doing maybe in your life or in your family, certainly in your faith community over the last year. I owe Kathy Ribble a huge debt of gratitude because one of the things that she taught me years ago and took me a while to kind of clue into it was this idea of God sightings, Right? That where you see God working, you name it for what it is and you, and you give him the credit. You give him the glory for what he has done. Answered prayer. Miracles. Things that, that happen that, that can only be of God. And I'm learning to do that. Faith begins 
by recognizing where God has worked and pointing it out and saying, there, that was God. Have you seen God at work in your life? Have you seen God at work in our midst? I have. And I give him the credit and the glory for it. Have you? Just sit with that for a moment. Pray with me. Father in heaven, you are indeed glorious. And, and we, are, we are grateful, privileged to be called your people. We know that you love us and you give us everything that we need to be all that you want us to be. We thank you for your patience and your mercy because, Lord, sometimes, as I said earlier, we're just caught up. I am, Lord. We're just caught up with, with all the stuff of life and we miss you. Forgive us that. Thank you that as, as when we are faithless, you are faithful. And we praise you for that. Father, we, we pray that you would show us your glory. But it is also our duty to give you glory and to give you the worship and the worth that you are. So Holy Spirit, now, as you move in our midst, would you speak to and touch each of our hearts in the way that you desire to? Lord, and if you in the congregation, brothers and sisters, if you have seen, my eyes are closed, my head is down, I'm not looking. But if you have seen God move in your life this year in some way, this past year, that you know that he has answered prayer, that he has blessed you, that he has done something, then I'm going to ask you to stand and just by standing give him the glory that he deserves I'm not looking. I'm not here to judge you. I, this is for you to give to him. You stand if you see and have felt and know that God has been moving in your life in this year. And Lord, for every person that is standing, you deserve the glory. This is yours. And for anyone who is still seated, I don't judge you. And again, I am not looking. But would you pray with me? And if you can pray this with me, then would you also stand that God would open your eyes to see where he is working in your life and around you. And if you, if you want that and you, and you are willing to pray that, then stand with me and let's pray that. Heavenly Father, we need new eyes. We need new ears. We need new hearts. Holy Spirit, we desire to be filled by your very presence and your power and also, Lord, by the gifts that you give. 
May the fruit of your presence abound in us, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, meekness and self-control. Here we are, Lord, here we are. We are standing before you, giving you thanks for showing your glory in our midst, and we ask for more. Show us your glory, Lord, not just not for our sakes, but for the sake of the world. So that people would, would come and find you here and say, surely God is in this place. And with this people. And they would come to know you. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we are the people called by your name. And we give you all praise and all glory. Now if everybody could sit down, please. Because I'm going to open my eyes and I don't want to see. Father, you are amazing. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.